0: Welcome listeners to this first episode of the creative success podcast. I'm your host, Joe high. And today for this first episode in this new podcast, I'm very pleased to say that our guest is Mr. Ben Horn. Ben is a photographer and a YouTuber, and he has the claim to fame as the first and longest active landscape photography vlogger on YouTube. Ben also has a unique method for taking his photographs in that he uses a 8x10 film camera. And if you're not a photographer, I'll quickly explain that that is the old school OG version of photography, complete with the the big bellows and the cloth tent that you put over your head to see the screen in the back. It's a very vintage style of photography and Ben uses it In such a masterful way that the photos that he comes out with is just fantastic, beautiful color landscapes of some of North America's most beautiful national parks and landscapes. In this episode, Ben and I talk about how he chose to start his creative journey and how he believes it's vital when pursuing a goal, especially a creative one, to stay true to your own integrity, even if breaking it might appear to lead to a shortcut to a goal. I know you're going to enjoy this first episode, so let's get into the first story in the Creative Success Podcast. Hello, Ben. It's nice to talk to you again, actually. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm glad that you you made the time for us. Uh, this is actually, just full disclosure, this is the first official recording of this podcast. Um, I've got more than one person scheduled, but you're the first person that is actually on uh, the recording. So I'm a little nervous. (laughs) Well, that's, you know, it's, I I have a lot of uh,
1: flexibility with my time. So, uh, we're able to, to work it in not long after you reached out to me.
0: Yeah, I was, I'm really grateful for that. So I'm going to just jump right into this, Ben. Um, for those listeners who are tuning into this podcast episode who may not have heard of you or may not have heard a lot about you how would you describe yourself and what you do and the the business and lifestyle that you've built in just a just a few sentences how would you describe yourself and what you do uh i'd say i'm i'm a
1: landscape photographer i work primarily with film which has some different constraints to it Uh, But I travel to some of my favorite locations on an ongoing basis, like Zion National Park in Death Valley. And not only do I shoot photos there, but also I record video journals that tell the story of each trip and of each photo. And I've been doing that really since 2010, but I'd say it's been... Uh, 2020 was when I started to do that full time.
0: Interesting. Did the events of 2020 have anything to do with that?
1: Yes. Uh, that's, uh, you, you, you zeroed in right there was, yeah. uh, I, I was working <laughs> at a, a camera store in from when I graduated college in 2004, all the way through the start of the pandemic, I already had the, the means built in for which I was able to generate income and to pursue what I wanted to do for a living, which is landscape photography. So I already had much of that in place. And then when the pandemic hit, I just saw that as my excuse to just start doing my own thing. And so, and also I should mention that when I first really decided to, uh, that landscape photography was something that I was interested in, uh, and started going on solo trips and such that was at during the uh, downturn of the economy back in 2008, 2009. Uh, uh-huh. so these, these things that obviously can have a very bad impact overall, they force change and that change, when you look back at it, oftentimes can be good
0: change. That's interesting. So kind of, a. Uh a treasure coming out of some hardship then that that actually is a good lead into kind of the the first question that's probably going to shape most of our conversation here when you first started this pursuit to to make landscape photography and i'm going to add to that your your videos on youtube and print sales this whole business model that you've built even before 2020 what were you hoping that it would add to your life not just why did you why do you like photos or you know what do you like about that creative outlet although that could be part of it what what freedom were you pursuing what did you want to add to your life in this i think it was mostly it, the
1: in in terms of making income from it that wasn't something that was any of my first thoughts about it at all it was it was really when the downturn of the economy hit back in 2008 2009 it just gave me the flexibility to go off on some solo landscape photography trips which is something i enjoyed and at that point in time i had zero means of making an income from it mm, uh, it was simply something that i enjoyed to do because if you think back to that time youtube was very new um there no one was posting you know, trip videos when it comes to
0: photography on YouTube. It wasn't the steady stream of content that it is now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a very saturated market now, Mm -hmm. but back then no one was really doing that. So I, when I first started posting some videos on YouTube, it was simply because I was just sharing the experience. But now I think when people get into it, they think, all right, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to monetize it. I'm going to make some money off of it. But back then it was just, you know, me going out with this little Canon point and shoot camera and recording some videos just to give a little more context to the images. Mm. And it wasn't really until probably 2015 maybe, somewhere in about that range that I was able to start generating a little bit of income off my photography through various channels. I was selling some, some little books at the time. I decided to not do Ad supported content on YouTube because it was just pushing me in a direction I didn't want to go. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep, you're very adamant about that on your videos. Yeah, I was, I was, I I
1: just, when when you have the ads in YouTube, you're rewarded by getting as much, as many eyes on your content as you can. And that's just something I'm not really comfortable with. I I see it more as, uh, I call them video journals that I produce because it's more of, Just like if someone has a written journal for a trip, I just put that out there uh, because there's people that will relate to that and enjoy it. You know, I I feel like the motivations would change if I was rewarded by the number of uh, views that I got because that further reinforces the clickbait sort of content that you see on YouTube. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Which could be a whole episode in of itself, just criticizing.
1: That. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, if, if, if you play the game, you could do well with it, but that's the whole thing. I just, I, I don't want to play that game because for me, that would take something that I enjoy and it would transfer it to something that I don't enjoy and it would make it into work. And that's something that I've really been trying to actively avoid, uh, with all the decisions I've made. Um, but yeah, it was probably around 20, 2015 or so that I started realizing that there's some potential for this. And then in 2017, I started, uh, taking away, uh, some of the hours I'd work at my day job, which was a camera store here in San Diego. And each year I scaled back my hours at my day job until 2021 was going to be the year that I'd be doing photography full time. Uh, but then when the pandemic hit it was about a year before i was planning on doing that anyways and so i i had the means in place and and, and and truth be told in the years leading up to that when i was seeing my my income for my day job dropping each year by the same amount it was i don't know it it, it was a it was very anxiety inducing i will say that but everything has worked out now that I'm on the other side of it. I'm definitely quite, uh, quite happy with where things are.
0: So it sounds like there's two, uh, well, not, not breaking points. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Breakthrough points. The first being when you started to travel and make some videos just as logs, it was just because it was something that you knew you could enjoy. Yeah but you just said something that intrigued me. You just said when there was some anxiety in you said in 2020.
1: Yeah, and and in the years leading up to that especially. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, what was the if I can ask, what was behind that anxiety? Was it just a fear of not being able to make ends financially and and that's what drove you to push landscape photography?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 exactly what is basically it's seen knowing that you know, each year I'm going to be making <clears throat> less and less money, which increases the pressure on me mm-hmm. to produce more income from the landscape photography. And so that was that was definitely a pretty big factor on it. But also with each year when I was losing income, I was gaining more time because I had more time that I could dedicate towards uh, photography. And yeah, so that time I was able to use to to be productive um yeah and so yeah so that that's that's really what it was it was just that countdown time and it would creep into my trips a bit i have this thing when i go on trips and it happens almost every single trip i call it the first day funk where (laughs) good term (laughs) the first yeah the first day of my trip i'm i'm just there's something about being traveling to whatever place it is It just, it's uh, not quite an anxiety attack, but it's, it's darn close to it. Just because of the pressure, like I'm here, I've got to make
0: something now.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So there is a pressure that comes with that. But then after, after that first day, when uh, I start to kind of get in the rhythm of things and sort of setting a new routine in terms of what I'm going to do out in the field, then at a certain point, I constantly have to remind myself of this a very simple phrase, which is, you know, we're surrounded by opportunity in nature. I I just kind of, it's like my mantra when I'm out there. Mm. And then you realize that, you know, there are so many different things out there that I can photograph. It's not as though I'm going to go to an area and just come up completely dry. So that's, that's one of the things I repeat to myself. And after a few days then I'm in the swing of things and everything's fine. But I remember, especially in 2020, when I was going on some trips in that year, when now I know that there's no more, you know, lifeline in terms of the, the day job. It's completely from my own photography. Um, it was quite anxiety inducing then, but, but now things have mellowed out about, I still get that first day funk, but I usually get over it pretty fast now.
0: Interesting. Okay. So I've experienced some of that on my own my own trips, even to like local spots. Like I'm going to take a picture of this waterfall and then there's like a pressure to get a picture of the waterfall. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, uh, I, boy, I have a list of, of questions here in case, you know, the conversation needed you to be driven. And I can see now that that's not going to be a need. This is going to be very easy talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) You, (laughs) Yeah. You have, you have excellent insight and that's, that's why I wanted to speak to you. So I think that what I want to talk about next is, the content that you create, Ben, is very much—it's very obvious that it's—it's it's a life-giving thing for you to do, if that phrase makes sense. Like it's—it's it's something that not only you enjoy. It makes you know—it—it it takes away that—that um, that funk that goes away that you're speaking yeah. of. That goes yeah. away after a couple days of this kind of a trip. Do you think that if you were on one of those trips and you could beat that sort of funk? Without taking any pictures, the the question that I have on my list here is really lame, and it's what do you find inspires you? But I'm trying to make it specific <laughs> for you, like yeah. what? How do you get out of that funk? I
1: I think it's just time. Um, I I went to the White Mountains recently up here in California. There, it's about eleven thousand feet, and it has the oldest trees in the world, some of which are over five thousand years old. And (laughs) at a certain point you get up to this moonscape area and you have these beautiful trees that died 2000 years ago, but it's almost as though they're like mummified and they're still standing there even though they're dead. But I went up there and I had no pressure at all in terms of photography. I had no need to come back with any photos. It was an also a non-video trip. And so looking at it from that standpoint, there was absolutely zero pressure on me whatsoever. Yet I still had the first day funk. Hmm. So I, I don't think it has to do necessarily with the pressure of taking the photos or the pressure that comes with the video. I think it's simply just the change of environment from being at home and having that routine at home to suddenly being dropped in a new environment, even though it may be a familiar environment but a new environment where there's more uncertainty. So I that makes sense. based on my own troubleshooting, I think that's what it is. Okay. Cause I've also had that when, like my wife and I will go on a trip and I still get a little bit of that first day funk. And so, so the only thing I, I see in common is that just, you know, that change of routine just throws
0: me off. That's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to me in particular because I've noticed that, like you said, even on non photography outings, just going on a family vacation or whatnot, there's like a first day. It's it's almost like a like a whiplash yeah. from the from the normal day to day, and now it's like, oh, now we're here to enjoy and to relax, and you can sometimes almost forget how to do that. Yeah.
1: And this will be interesting because in December, my wife and I, after several years of not going on any trips because of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be going to Hawaii. So it'll be interesting. If I get the first day funk in Hawaii, when I will not have a camera with me, there's no video. It's simply going to the beach and relaxing and looking at turtles.
0: If it comes there, then it's like, okay, this just must be (laughs) part of the experience. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, one of the things I found in terms of being able to get out of that first day funk is to pay a little more attention to my senses. So a Mm. smell is a big one. So when I went up to the white mountains, I went over to one of the bristlecone pines that was alive and I just, just gave it a good sniff and somehow smelling (laughs) that, that fresh pine smell. It just, I don't know. It just kind of awakened the senses and maybe let me know, Hey, you know, somewhere different. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's get this trip going.
0: I think there's actually a word for that when you deliberately take time to observe with different senses. And I think the term is yeah. grounding. That's, that's a good term. And it, it can be, it's exactly for that purpose. Uh, let me jump to a, a branch of this that I wanted to discuss. Since you're now, I, I'm, I'm very curious, since you're now doing this this is all you do now—is your content creation and your landscape photography. Yeah. What does a what does a day to day look like for you when you're not out on a shoot like this?
1: It's um, it's weird because it's it's a mixture of things, and on on most days I don't feel like I'm being very productive at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, most okay. days it's a matter of. I was hoping you, you were going to say that too, just for the sake yeah. of being like, oh,
0: good, I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah.
1: It, it's, it's a matter of like replying to a few emails here and there. Uh, maybe working on a little project I I've been working on an ebook. Um, lately it's getting pretty close to being done. So maybe going through that and it really, it does not feel like I'm doing very much at all to the point where at the end of the day, if I had to write down what I did, it would be very, um, I don't know. It wouldn't look good. It'd be like, well, I wrote a paragraph, uh, replied to an email and, uh, here we are eight hours later and that's what I feel like I did. So it sounds like you've had a very similar experience.
0: Almost like you'd be embarrassed to, to show somebody like, oh yeah, here's my completed list of things that I did today. And most of it's not, it doesn't look that impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's easier exactly. when you're in like a nine to five job or you're doing something extremely tangible like you're building yeah. houses, you know, you yeah. can say, oh, I put up three walls today or I wired this room or whatever. But in, in this, in this line of work, when it's something so creative and not exactly abstract, but to keep going requires some rest and some very intangible work.
1: Yeah. And it's, I think it's also because many of the projects are very long-term And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you just work a little bit this project at a time, like the ebook I'm working on right now, I've been working on it for probably a year and a half. Um, And it was started, it started very rough, but you know, I'll work on it a little bit at a time and kind of fine tune it a little bit at a time. At some point that project will be done and it'll be nice when it's complete. But things do seem like they take longer now than when I was balancing a day job with the photography um is that because you have bigger projects now um i think it's because i was when i was working the day job and i was balancing the two i think i was forced to be very i think my efforts were very concentrated when i was Mm. working on various projects whereas now they're spread out a little bit more Mm. um but also there's other things too. Like I, I make time now to exercise a lot. For me, that's the reward. After I've I've done a lot of work, the fact that I can go out and go running or go skating or something like that, or go kayaking. For me, that's like that little carrot that's dangling out in front of me, where if I finish this, then I can do that. And I think um, between the two of them, it gives me the sense of completing something kind of like you're saying, like, you know, building a house or something like that. I think mm-hmm. the, the exercise gives me that. And I do have more flexibility for that. Interesting.
0: Do you, do you ever find yourself like wishing for some, some means of proving to yourself that you actually did something? Uh, cause especially with something like your ebook, it's a very long-term project and every step that you take towards the production of it, you don't really see any results you don't get paid for working on the ebook you don't make exactly. sales for working on the ebook you're taking steps yeah. to get to the point where you can start to make it as a product how do you yeah. how do you um remind yourself that you are actually doing something
1: I, I think that that project has been such a long-term project that i haven't felt the need for that um, okay. just because i know that it is progressing in the right direction Um, but now that I'm getting closer to finishing it, I'm starting to see that light at the end of the tunnel. I am looking forward to when it's done, but, but stuff like that, I think it's because I have so many other smaller projects I'm able to, to complete in the meantime. And I think that gives that, that sense of completion. I don't really have to have the the milestones as much for the ebook.
0: Mm. Yeah, it is interesting. This, this kind of work where it's more of an investment in projects rather than like today I put out another video today. I sold yeah. another photo today. I, you know, made this much money. It's very much a delayed reaction of results and it is, it's intimidating.
1: Yeah. And, and there's other things too. Like, um, I do a, in, in, the past, well, since from 2017 until last year, I did a, a box set portfolio each year. And then this year I'm calling it a, a print portfolio or it's my yeah, my, ten, yeah. Th- yeah, my 10 favorite images for the year. And that's like my huge project I do, but I do pre-orders for that. So the pre-orders were uh, in the middle of August. And that also brings up something which is kind of along the same lines of what you're just discussing, where now here in this case, you know, since these are pre-sold, August will be a very good month for me. I'll, I'll have a good amount of income in August. But most of the work on those will really be done more so in November when I'm mailing them out and finishing mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like you're, you're getting paid for something ahead of time, but I know that I still have this huge amount of work ahead of me that that specific work isn't going to generate more income. It's based on something that happened in August. So that's the other kind of a weird side about it where it's like a feast or famine at times.
0: It is Really, really validating to hear you say that Ben, because i <laughs> um currently my main photography income is uh wedding photography, mm-hmm. and I do the I have my clients pay in in installments, and the you know so by the time the wedding day comes. They've already paid for the wedding. So the, the yeah. day of comes I'm like, All right, I got a wedding this weekend and then it, there's this little voice that says, You're not getting any more money for doing what you're doing this weekend. Yep. Like and oh, you've yeah, got a that's lot right. of work
1: ahead of you to go through all those images exactly. and you know, not only working the event but, you know, processing everything and producing everything and
0: Yeah. And where you can normally in, in, a, in a job, you can sort of remind yourself like, Hey, you know, another day, another dollar. This is more where you have to remind yourself like, okay, um, you know, this is how I fed my kids for the last six months. <laughs> yeah. So I got to do it now. It's yeah. like paying it, it, for it's yourself an odd mentality. in the
1: past. It, it really is a tricky thing. And, and what I've also found, and I don't know if this has been your experience as well, but when I made the jump to doing photography full time, you know, when I do have a month like August that comes around where there's a lot of income that comes in, I used to have, I think when I was still balancing the the day job with this, when I would see that amount of income come in, I'd be like, oh yes, this is great. You know, it'd, it'd get that little dopamine hit in your brain and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Now when it comes in, it's more like, well, that's cool and all. But I don't get that same dopamine hit because I think I know that, okay, I need to ration this income out over the next half a year or so.
0: Yeah. where um, it's, <laughs> it's
1: you, you, you have a different perspective on things.
0: Yeah. You think of, you think of money and, and paychecks, if you will, very differently. I, I completely agree. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, honestly, this is, this is like feeding my soul a little bit right now because as I... Um, <laughs> As I pitched in the introduction to this podcast the like the the trailer episode, if you will, i'm not making this show because I think I've got it all together, and I think people should listen to me because i've figured out secrets of creative success and blah 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 i'm doing this because I want there to be a show like this where people are yeah. really talking about what it's like and like what motivated them to do so and and how they stay inspired uh, because I want to listen to that. And I just, what I'm sure there's podcasts out there that come close, but I'm like, you know, I'm just going to make a show that I would like listening to. So that's one of the best reasons to do it. Yeah, exactly. It's that's, that was my thinking. I'm like, you know, I would really like to know what Ben Horn does to, um, to get, I, I I know I've felt weird when I go out to a photo trip and been like, Oh, I just, I feel misplaced right now. Now I know I need to smell a tree. (laughs) You know, that's <laughs> all you got to do and the
1: older the tree the better that's uh that's what i found out older the tree okay least, note to self based on my one experience with that yeah
0: <laughs> okay well my my wife and i we've got some we we just recently got uh, a small parcel of land that we have a little camp on so i think i'll tell her like hey we need to go up and smell some more trees because ben horn yes. said that's a great thing to do <laughs> i you know what
1: i as 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 joking as we are Man, smelling trees are great. I uh, in uh, I go to Zion National Park a lot, and they have these really big uh, pine trees at the higher elevations. They're ponderosa pines, and they the the bark on them smells like vanilla. So oh wow! Many times on a trip, I will be you know hiking through a canyon. I kind of look over my left shoulder, look over my right shoulder, make sure no one's looking go up and I give that tree a big sniff because it it, it makes me want to eat the bark. It's, uh, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah.
0: Wow. That, oh wow. That's so interesting. We have, uh, in, I'm in New York and the highest elevations that we have in this state are in the Adirondacks Mm -hmm. and, um, and the other park is the Catskills. And I remember hiking with a friend of mine and there's actually a point where you hit, um, the tree line. You know, where like, you can see a clear, a clear point where the deciduous trees ends and the evergreens begin. Mm -hmm. And it was like, we're hiking up the hill and all of a sudden you got hit with a Christmas tree shop smell. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, look, there, there must be like little Santa Claus elves hanging off of these trees (laughs) because that's what they smell like, but it was just the trees. And the scent
1: is a very powerful thing. It'll pull you back to, to memories of childhood. Um, It's, it's it's something that is, is a very, very powerful sense. And it's something that really can't be captured, but you know, you, you know, when you smell it, it just triggers something in your brain. So there's something really powerful about that.
0: Well, now I'm just thinking about the smell of trees and whatnot, but <laughs> I should probably, <laughs> I like that. I like that little, um, that little tree smelling, uh, rabbit trail that we had there. Oh yeah. It's a good one. But let me see if I can uh, bring this back into a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more tangible with there. There's, there's actually a number of things that I'd love to, to go into with you. And I've just, I just have to pick things at this point. Mm-hmm. At what point do you think you realized that, uh, you said you went full-time after the pandemic and that, that pushed you to like, now you're at a point where this is, this is all you're doing. Yeah. Aside from the point where you officially were only doing your self-employed landscape photography and everything that went along with it? Because I know that what I'm going to ask you doesn't happen at that point because I've been there too. At what point did you realize that it had become a thing? Like at at what point did you realize like, oh, this is working?
1: I would say it was probably back in probably 2016 or so. Um,
0: What had happened at that point?
1: yeah, I saw the possibility that you know it—it it, it seemed like it was possible if I were to put the the work into it, and if I were to kind of keep going down the path I was going down. So I'd say that, that was probably the the first moment when I realized it was possible, and then I would say the confirmation that it was actually doable, I would say probably was when I had gone a full year. So mm. probably when I got into, you know, March of 2021, I'm like, all right, well, everything has worked so far. I'm producing work that, um, that I'm very satisfied with. I don't feel like I'm compromising the work and the production of the I'm I'm glad you said videos. that. that was, yeah.
0: That was my next question was like, was yeah. it just because you had completed a fiscal year or was there a a regulation of quality and satisfaction in the in the work itself
1: yeah i i think it's just all the systems that i had in place everything seemed to be working um and and i just didn't feel like there was any compromise um so i I Mm. think that's i think that's really when When I had just that confirmation that everything was fine, you know, once you go through a whole tax year, once you kind of do everything along those lines. And the other thing too, is when I was, you know, when I started doing the photography stuff on my own, I gained the ability to plan trips according to the weather, as opposed to planning them, you know, three, four months in advance uh, like according to coworkers schedules when I was yeah. working the day job, yeah, uh, like, you know, so-and-so has vacation this time. So I guess I'll have to go at this time, you know, once I was doing this full time, then I had that flexibility. And so there was also a trip in early 2021, right around, yeah, around the same time when it had been almost a year, uh, when there was a winter storm that was approaching in Zion. And it was something I'd always wanted to be in Zion during the winter storm, which they only get two or three good ones a year. And I was able to go on that trip and plan it just right. So I think that
0: was further confirmation that I was going in the right direction. Okay. So a little bit more specifically, even further. Well, I guess, I guess when two, two parts to this question, imposter syndrome, was that ever a point where you were feeling like, okay, I'm just always faking. Yeah. Always. Cause the next question from, from, was from like, did you get it's gone?
1: Yeah, it to to me it makes no sense. I'm able to do this for a living. Um, <laughs> I, I, it just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. I I don't understand it myself. Um, so yeah, it, it it complete imposter
0: syndrome for sure. So that's still a thing that's that's there. That's still a thing that you struggle with. Oh, you don't yeah, wake up yeah. and be like, oh yeah, I'm Ben Horn. I freaking figured out how to do this. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that anyone ever has that. feeling. If they do, it it must
1: be like a uh, they don't actually have that feeling they just convince themselves they do um Hmm. but yeah yeah it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense because i I think also because with everything out there with social media everything else it's so easy to compare yourself to other people and you only see the success of other people they don't post their failures you know they, they only post their best work so it becomes such a difficult bar um but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, things seem to be working fine, but it there's yeah, complete imposter syndrome under the hood, which I would imagine is probably fairly common for
0: probably for a lot of people that are doing this. Full-time. It's a topic that's that's discussed quite often in these type of contexts. So I would I would guess the same. I, yeah. I wonder. I found myself asking this a lot in 2020 and 2021, actually. Of what the real value is in social media and like how, how much did I actually need it? And I actually spent a year, I actually spent all of 20, I believe all of 2021. Um, and most, if not all of 2020, just off, like I didn't do anything on Instagram or Facebook and it wasn't with the intention of being gone period, but it was with the intention of being like, what can I do without it? And how can I add it back in if, and when I want to, in a productive way instead of an obligatory way. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I fully answered myself in that way yet, but. Uh, it's, it's a challenging thing.
1: Um, I mean, I, I gave it all up uh, for a few months late last year. And actually I had just the desire to start fresh and I basically wiped my Instagram account. I actually came back with a different account. Um, and, and I have a bit of a different approach. I mean, I I do need to have a presence on there because that is a way to reach potential customers. And especially when I'm selling the print portfolios and stuff, if I put it there, it does generate um, some sales of it and such. And But I've also in the past, it, since I came back to uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that, um, and it was like November or so when I came back to it, um, I have a different approach where I basically mostly just check any of the, like the, the DMs, see if anyone's trying to reach out to me. Um, I will post stuff out of an obligation. I, it doesn't, I don't, I don't get a dopamine hit from posting stuff on there. I know people, some people get focused on how many views or likes or whatever. I, I don't care. I just post stuff cause mm-hmm. I feel like I kind of have to, but I, I don't doom scroll all day. I think that's where people get into trouble where they just kind of
0: get lost into it. Well, what was that phrase? A doom scroll. A doom scroll. You haven't heard that one. Uh, no, this this is the first time I've heard it, but I, oh, I think I know what one. it is. It's
1: a good one. Yeah, they they just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and just it just it it doesn't it doesn't uh, make anyone happier. It just uh, you know
0: <laughs> doom um, scrolling. Okay, I'm definitely a victim of doom scrolling. I just didn't yeah. know that it had a word. <laughs> I think that's the
1: worst part of social media, and that's also where like like TikTok in particular is horrible with, and that's why I've I've no desire to be on TikTok.
0: Ah yeah I haven't ventured into TikTok yet in looking at some inspiration that you could share or you could offer to listeners to people who are hearing this who are starting or maybe have started their own outside of the box thinking pursuits, wh- whether it be just something to create for the sake of creating or they're looking for a whole different like income level or income idea what what's something that well, okay. I'll ask two questions. What's something that you wish that you had known back when you started this, and I'll say when you started this and when you moved into this full time. And what's something that you wish everyone else knew, just a message that was regularly out there, something that people heard daily.
1: Um, well, I'll start with the second question. Um, for that one, I would say the thing that has been my i guess kind of my mantra during this whole thing um, has been to stay true to myself and i think if a person has some sort of creative pursuit that they want to work on perhaps if it's something that would at some point generate income um, going down the path of being uh, self-employed and such uh, if you stay true to yourself it's gonna be a longer road. Uh, there's many shortcuts along the way that will often lead to higher financial gain, but that would come at the expense of, of really of yourself. Um, and I've, when I started doing this, my whole thing is I did not want it to become work. Hmm. And I felt that if I was doing uh, something that was not staying true to myself, it would take something that I love and it would simply make it into work. And I know many people who that happened to them, to the point where they don't even want to pick up a camera anymore because they see that camera as work. They don't see it as something that they enjoy. Um, So I'd say that as sort of advice to other people um, would be just to follow your
0: own path to stay true to yourself. The phrase uh stay true to yourself is a is a pretty popular catchphrase. And I'm somebody who doesn't really get those phrases. So mm-hmm. like if it's it's used so much I, I've kind of lost the meaning behind it. So for the people like me out there, what do you mean when you say stay true to yourself? Or how would someone know if they have pursued something and lost sight of staying true to themselves?
1: the way i see it is all the decisions that we make the path that we take it's it's a it's a combination of a multitude of tiny little choices uh, basically there's there's tons of forks in the you go left or you go right and you go left or you go right and oftentimes one of those paths will lead you somewhere where oftentimes it is selling yourself a little bit selling your soul a little bit for some sort of financial gain that just feels not quite right. Or there's the longer path that is going to be a slow and steady growth over time. It's kind of like taking like you're hiking somewhere and there's switchbacks and then there's shortcuts on those switchbacks. And those, those shortcuts will cause erosion and lead to all sorts of other issues. And it's, you, you know, you're only shortchanging yourself if you take those shortcuts. So when I mm. say stay true to yourself that's a good analogy yeah it's it, it's really just a matter of looking at those small decisions and asking yourself, you know what what feels right, what feels like it's you're you're not shortchanging your long term growth at the expense of short term gain mm, that's and, a good way of wording it yeah, and, and there are so many different obstacles along the way. Like I know, for example, that there are many things I could have done that would have earned me significantly more income, but it just wasn't something, it, it would essentially spoil what I was doing and it would take all the joy from it. And so by staying true to oneself, you just make all your decisions based on what is going to be better for the long-term growth and you don't want to try to take shortcuts because they seldom are a shortcut.
0: That's very well said, Ben. I was, uh, I was hoping that that would be a, a tougher question, but it seems <laughs> hard to break you in an interview. Yeah, and Also, it, it helps that I'm, I'm an incredibly
1: stubborn person. If some sort of opportunity comes up and it just feels not quite right to me, I will dig in my heels and I'll go the other direction. And I think that that sense has has guided me well, Uh, maybe not in terms of my bank account, but in terms of (laughs) still, you know, taking joy from what it is I do.
0: And nevertheless, you're not living in a cardboard box, so I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't totally neglect your bank account. Yes. Uh, Also, I should mention that my.
1: Uh, my wife has a full-time job, which does give, and she has all the health benefits that, that we both have. Mm. So basically that gives that nice, steady income in the background. And if not for that, I wouldn't be able to do this.
0: So it is a team effort then with yeah, your wife's yeah. support. You're able to do this. So yeah. That's, so. was there ever a time, and I'm thinking this on the spot, but was there ever a time where you, you guys discussed that, like, hey, um, you know, Ben wants to do this thing that is not going to be stable, basically. And like, um, was, there, was, was there talk of that?
1: It was such a slow and gradual adjustment that it never really was along those lines because essentially it was a matter of slowly building up income from the photography stuff in the background while my day job income was slowly decreasing and it was basically just holding steady across. So there's no, uh, like this is the decision jumping off point where, you know, everything was already in place. And also I had been doing this, uh, like my first solo trip was in 2009. Um, we got married in 2012. So this was a, um, this was such a, long time in the making that there was never really that moment of, Hey, can we make it? Can we not make it? That kind of thing. It was just, it was pretty steady.
0: Okay. Would you, maybe that's a recommendation then to like, not just jump ship, but like make it, make a steady transition plan.
1: It helps. It, it does help though. Also the other thing that I noticed as we talked about earlier is that it was a little bit anxiety inducing when you see that you know, the, the cliff that's approaching seemingly rapidly (laughs) and you know, that there's a bridge will be built there. It'll happen. But as you're approaching, you don't see that bridge fully in place yet. It does give some degree of anxiety,
0: (laughs) a path that gets built in front of you as you're walking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's
1: kind of reminiscent of the, uh,
0: one of the back to the future movies
1: when they had a a jump over the gorge at the tracks that aren't there yet, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's the fixture that I had in my mind too. Actually, yeah. <laughs> so back in 2020, you had goals and objectives that you wanted to achieve, and you chose to do that by jumping into this full time. Mm-hmm. So you said you had an ebook coming out. Um, what else? You what are you hoping to add to all of this lifestyle in the future? What do you find yourself asking? Like, what if I did this, or what if I added this?
1: It, I guess just kind of more the same. Uh, the way I see it, I have a bunch of different sort of small ways that uh, contribute to the income and a lot of the things are, are set such that the, you know, like the, the portfolios happen once a year, um, the eBooks every couple of years or so. So it's really just a matter of just keeping that cycle going, um, I am thinking about perhaps doing a audiobook version of the ebook, um, and just to see if people like that. It would. It might just be something that's included with it, just because. I mean, it's a visual ebook, but maybe people can listen to it while they're looking at it. I don't know. Uh, but you know, just toying with some stuff along those lines. Maybe make a, a zine at some point, perhaps on some some sort of subject I haven't quite figured out yet, but more of the same, I guess
0: you would say. These are embryonic ideas then. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and some, something that's yeah. kind of approaches. It's good to have those. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Listen, we're, we're pretty much out of time here. So I really, really appreciate you making the time to, to do this. And I'm really glad that you're one of the people that I get to record with first. Um, I think that I got a lot out of this conversation. I'm certainly hoping the listeners did too. Cool. Um, I'd love for you to have a chance to share information that you'd love listeners to know about to see more of your work your your website your ebook anything like that where would you like people to be directed to learn more about ben horn and what he does
1: yeah the main thing is just my website which is benhorn.com and uh, that'll link to all the social media stuff that i post to occasionally and that's horn with an e at the end right Horn with an E. Yeah. And, um, it'll print portfolios there, eBooks there and everything on my website.
0: Okay. And that links to your YouTube videos and everything as well. Yeah. Okay. It's a central, central station for everything. Awesome. Well, there you have it, everyone. Ben, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for, for being part of this. And I really look forward to listening through this again. And again, as I edit it (laughs) and, um, sharing it with you once we we get this podcast launched. Cool, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this first episode of the Creative Success Podcast. I'm certainly thankful to have a great guest like Ben Horn as the first guest on this podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. To see Ben's work as a photographer and to connect with his videos on YouTube, check out his website at benhorn.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and give us a nice rating on iTunes. I'm your host, Joe High. Thank you once more, and please join me next time for the next story in the Creative Success Podcast.